And welcome back, everybody, to the Market Knowledge Podcast. We're talking to life science CEOs, founders, and influencers. And so excited about today because I've got my guest host here with me again. David Crean is here. And our special guest today, founder and CEO of A28 Therapeutics, Dr. Stanley Lewis is here. Gentlemen, how are we today? Thank you, Bob. Great. Good morning. Uh, it's wonderful. Well, good. This is going to be a fun conversation. And uh, let's start it off. You know, some of the feedback I get from the uh, podcast all the time is people love to hear about how our guests got to where they are now. So so why don't we set that up a little bit, uh, Dr. Lewis, and tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of uh, your journey uh, up until this point. Wow. Well, First, Bob, thank you for so much for having your on your show. Um, I am an internal medicine physician by training. Uh, I trained University of Texas Medical School at Houston, um, where I did my internship, residency, and fellowship. And then I joined the faculty there in the Department of Internal Medicine, and where I did what faculty members do. I taught students, I saw patients, and I did clinical research. Uh, and clinical research was really my favorite area. Um, my disease area was uh, infectious disease and HIV specifically, the previous pandemic, uh, and did dozens of clinical trials. One of those clinical trials was with a drug that was a monoclonal antibody, which is kind of an odd thing for treating HIV. But when I spoke to the patient who had taken this, the, this experimental treatment during that time, they said that the drug was the first time that they actually took an HIV drug that lowered their viral load, but also didn't make them feel worse. And I thought that was intriguing because as a physician, you know, you, first thing is first do no harm, right? So, so this was very intriguing. The company that was developing that product was right there in Houston. And um, they asked me to come and lead their development program. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I kind of liked my job <laughs> in, in academia. But, um, but this was a new challenge. You know, it kind of drew me in. And so I decided to, to jump ship and sort of go over to the dark side, uh, as they say. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, as oftentimes happens with small biotech companies, uh, they get bought by big biotech companies. Uh, so the company I was working for was acquired by Genentech um, for a gazillion dollars. <laughs> and uh, Genentech evaluated the product that I was working on and decided they did not want to go into the HIV field. So they were going to uh, license the product out. They asked me to stick around and help them do so. I did. Um, and the person who was very intrigued by my compound was a guy named David Ho, who was a big name in HIV. He was Time Magazine's Man of the Year back in 1996. And he was also uh, probably better known as being Magic Johnson's doctor. <laughs> Well, he really liked the product I was working on, and he asked me to join his newly formed company, TimeMed Biologics, uh, as the new chief medical officer, which I did, and I became employee number one. Well, there was uh, lots of twists and turns on our way, uh, but we finally got that drug approved as the first monoclonal antibody for treatment of uh, multidrug-resistant HIV disease. It was the first product uh, that was a long-acting agent in uh, HIV disease. Now, there's several more that have been approved, uh, and I was very proud of that accomplishment, uh, and it was about that time that I got a call from my previous CEO. Um, and she asked, uh, hey Stan, you know, I, I 
I'm so proud of you. I'm glad you got that drug approved. I always knew you would do great things. Uh, I got a new company out here in California. I'd like you to come out and be my chief medical officer. And I was like, ah, not this time. Uh, last time you took me away from my really good job and uh, asked me to come and work for you. You ended up selling the company, making off like a bandit. And I was kind of left holding the bag. So uh, thanks, but no thanks. But she was quite charming. Uh, and she um, never takes no for an answer. And so she ultimately convinced me to coming out to San Diego, which is where I am now. And I started working for uh, the, her, her new company. And we were developing a drug for treatment of hospitalized influenza and para-influenza. And uh, we were doing great. We got a breakthrough therapy designation. We were going into phase three, uh, started enrolling the clinical trial, and boom, COVID hit. And when COVID hit, I like to say COVID cured the flu. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because there was nobody getting the flu. Uh, and even if you did get the flu during COVID, you wouldn't dare show up at the hospital for fear you'd get COVID. Um, so um, that trial was very difficult to enroll. I ended up leaving the company. Uh, but you know, while I was there, one of the other jobs I had, along with running global clinical trials, was to uh, help the company in-license new products. Because we were a single asset company, you know, investors prefer, they've got more shots on goal. Um, so we were trying to bolster our pipeline and I must have evaluated, gosh, a hundred companies and products. And, you know, most of them were for sale for a reason. They either didn't work or they weren't safe or both. Uh, and, um, but there was this one that I really liked, uh, and I tried to get the folks there at the company to, uh, to, to license it in, but they ultimately couldn't see the vision and passed on it. So when I became a free agent, uh, the company that was developing that product and was trying to outlicense it asked me to come and be their CEO. And I thought about it. I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is pretty cool. I know I love your product. Let me take a little closer look at your company, you know, do a little more diligence on that. And uh, let's just say they had some challenges. <laughs> and uh, it would have been very difficult to raise money into that particular shell of a company. But I did offer them uh, uh, another option, which was, hey, how about if I take this asset off your hands? And who knew? Boy, they said yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. They said yes. Wait, wait. <laughs> uh, so wait a minute. Hold on. You weren't supposed to say yes. Uh, but they said yes. And so sure enough, um, uh, a few more twists and turns. I started A28 Therapeutics. I recruited a co-founder. We, um, we ultimately ended up purchasing the assets uh, of that company. And we were off to the races uh, earlier this year with uh with a28 and that's how i got here excellent you know uh one quick follow-up question to that dr lewis is uh one of the things i'm fascinated by is uh you know going from researcher you know scientist to all of a sudden now ceo entrepreneur uh, how has that transition gone uh, for you wow uh that's a that's a big step it's a different skill set uh, and I knew coming into it that I was going to be challenged uh, in that regard. I'd been the chief medical officer of a couple of companies before, so I'd worked in the C-suite and had some knowledge and sort of experience from, you know, sort of watching this job being done. But I knew I'd never done it before, so I was very careful to, um, to find a co-founder who had started lots of companies before, who had been a CEO before, and could help sort of mentor me along the way as we grew this business. It's a... Um, it is. It's just a really different. Uh, it's a really different skill set. 
being, you know, sort of the point person, being the one who's overseeing everything and not just your, uh, your department, and, and making sure that you see how it all fits together. Make sure everyone's rowing in the same direction uh, and, you know, making sure that the company's funded and, and the trains run on time. Dr. Lewis, this is David. Um, super oh. excited about hearing a little bit more about A28. You know, as you know, earlier this year, the Biden administration kind of reignited the cancer moonshot to end cancer as we know it. And I'm glad that A28 is in there. You're, it's certainly being led by you, um, you know, to really make a clinical impact on some various types of multiple cancers. I, I know that A28, your, your clinical stage, you told us this great story about how you put out the bid for it. You got it, the assets. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the Alytic peptide platform that you're utilizing to go after multiple cancer types. So if you could just give us a, a little bit of a, a, an elevator pitch on A28. Wow. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Boy, A28 is it, it, one of the reasons why this molecule and this platform was attractive to me is because as a physician who's been in infectious diseases for a long time, I recognize these lytic peptides. They look very familiar, uh, just like antibiotics. Uh, in fact, um, some of the the best known antibiotics are lytic peptides. Uh, medications like uh, daptomycin or vancomycin are all lytic peptides. And this molecule is very much like those antibiotics, except that it's been retooled to treat cancer. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Uh, essentially, what they've done is, should I say, what we have is a targeting unit, which is it can be any targeting unit. The one our lead product happens to be a hormone targeting unit, targets the LHRH or luteinizing hormone, releasing hormone receptor that can be found on multiple different cancer types. Um, so you take this hormone and you conjugate it, no linker, to a lytic peptide. And lytic peptides are specific payload molecules that poke holes in anything that's negatively charged. So in infectious disease, Bacteria cell walls are negatively charged, so lytic peptides are very useful. And in cancer, who knew? But cancer cells are, uh, are have a surface charge that's also negative. So you get this positively charged lytic peptide attracted to this negatively charged cancer cell membrane, and it's magic. Uh, it takes about 30 minutes for it to lice a hole into that, uh, in that cancer membrane. The cancer then can release all of its tumor-associated antigens, almost like, thing like a vaccine inside the, inside the patient's body. And the cancer is gone in roughly about, uh, the cancer cell is gone in roughly about 30 minutes. So it's a really potent and very unique way of treating cancer. And it's a very intriguing way, very different from, from anything that we have on the market right now. Uh, and I'm looking forward to bringing this product and this mechanism of, of treating cancer into the armamentarium of, of cancer treating agents that we have already. Yeah, thank you for that. I, um, that's, that's super. I, I'm super uh, interested in these initial indications that you're uh, targeting, which really represent significant opportunities in my in my mind, and you know, large, growing global markets with having substantial unmet uh, medical needs. Uh, where are you in the in the process of the development on these various programs? Right. So, uh, thank you for mentioning that. We are. Our first two indications are ovarian cancer and hepatocellular carcinoma. And I won't go into the full details of why we chose those two to start with, uh, because ultimately this product could be tumor agnostic. Essentially, if you have the LHRH receptor on your tumor, which we can test with our 
assay and determine if uh, mm-hmm. if you're an eligible candidate for this medication, then uh, then this this drug will treat that, and it can be found on not just the liver cancer or ovarian cancer, but you can find these receptors on lung cancers and breast cancers and gastric cancers and pancreatic cancers, and you just just it's a long litany of solid tumors and even some hematologic t- uh, cancers as well, including non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. But we are now in phase two. Um, actually, we completed a phase two trial uh, that was done prior to, to my acquiring the asset, and we're getting ready to go into a phase three, or at least a registrational mm-hmm. trial with our product in ovarian cancer. So uh, in ovarian cancer, uh, this product was, was used in a previous phase two clinical trial. The results of the trial were a bit disappointing. Uh, in that it was tested against, in a randomized fashion, 44 patients were randomized to receive uh, AT101, which is our molecule, uh, versus, uh, plus paclitaxel, versus paclitaxel alone. And it didn't really distinguish itself from those, um, uh, uh, from the standard of care regimen. However, uh, like all lytic peptides, our molecule has a very short half-life. It's only available in the serum for about 15 minutes. Uh, But this molecule is unique and that it's available, uh, it accumulates and persists in the liver for three days. So when we went back and looked at the data from that phase two clinical trial, and we only looked at the patients who had ovarian cancer with liver metastases, we were then able to see a very resounding efficacy signal, uh, such that the patients who were treated with just paclitaxel alone had a 17% ORR versus those patients who were treated with AT101 plus paclitaxel at a 69% ORR. And this wasn't just a, you know, this wasn't just a CT scan uh, uh, improvement. These patients also experienced a 61% overall increase in their survival. So we're very excited about going back into the subset of patients who have uh, ovarian cancer with liver metastases. Those patients don't have any other treatments uh, available. There are no approved therapies for, uh, for the disease after it reaches that stage. Uh, and we're also going to focus, uh, obviously, on patients who have hepatocellular carcinoma because, you know, where the drug accumulates is where you tend to see the efficacy. So uh, HCC seems to be a, a no-brainer for us as well. That's great. I, I really look forward to, to watching the progress. I'm going to, uh, let, let, let's break away from the science and the medicine. Let's talk about ecosystems. Uh, Mr. Houston and Austin, now you're in San Diego. These are two great life science hubs. Tell me about the similarity and differences between those two hubs. Well, you know, for me, uh, it really comes down to a sort of barbecue versus weather. <laughs> uh, Houston's <laughs> probably got the better barbecue uh, and uh, San Diego has the better weather. So um, we opted for the weather this time trying to lose a little, a little around the midsection. So it's better to be out in the sun. But, uh, but or seriously, you know, the, the San Diego environment for, for startups and for biotech is really unmatched. It's not San Francisco. It's not uh, Boston. It's San Diego. And it's, it's, it's a really cool, uh, laid back, collaborative environment that, um, that really fosters the growth of creativity and innovation um, and, and we just love it here. I think Houston and for that matter, Austin are a little more techie than they are biotechy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, and, and Houston in particular is a little more healthcare, uh, in, in a healthcare sort of more broadly, uh, maybe a little more device, 
whereas uh, whereas San Diego seems to be a little bit more um, a little more therapeutics. Uh, and I think the the other thing that I would say that really sort of distinguishes these these ecosystems is while while Houston and 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 Austin are growing uh, and they're growing by leaps and bounds, San Diego's a bit more mature. It's got it's got a, a little bit more infrastructure uh, already in place. It's got more workforce, um, uh, you know, more talent uh, that is, that's already experienced in the field. It probably has a little bit better financial base in general for supporting biotech. Uh, don't get me wrong; there's a lot of money in Texas, <laughs> but um, but it's not all going in the same direction. It's you know it's competing with oil and it's competing with uh, lots of other ways that investors want to uh, hedge their bets and and and, and spend their um, you know, spend their capital. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really great place and it's a really great time uh, to be in San Diego because it's growing and it's exciting and it's innovative and, and I couldn't be happier uh, to be here. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And before I turn it over to Bob, I have one more question. Okay. I, I was hoping for a dream matchup, American league, national league, Houston or San Diego. Come on. Oh my gosh! Yeah, what do you what do you do, Doctor Lewis, on that situation? Who do you, who do you root well, for? Well, you put me on the spot. Um, you know, the truth is, I I would have been rooting for the Padres had they arrived at the promised land. Good answer. Uh, they did not. I was able to uh, harken back to uh, to my previous hometown and uh, go Strokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. Um, What's next, Ben, for for A twenty eight in San Diego? We talked about the town a little bit. Um, what, what what does your growth look like uh, here? Well, you know, one of the challenges for any startup, obviously, is funding, right? And you've got all the macro forces that we all know everything about: inflation and yet elections. Hopefully, we're on the other side of that. We, you know, you've got COVID and supply chain and you know looming recession and all these things really sort of. Um, give investors pause. Uh, and I probably picked the worst time in history <laughs> to go out and try to raise money. Uh, so that's really what our focus is right now is to, is to get some fuel in this rocket ship so we can, uh, so we can get it going. Um, so that's, that's really on the, on the forefront. I think one of the other challenges uh, for our growth is getting people to sort of understand this approach. Because it's really revolutionary, um, and, and you know, I've heard it said that you can do you can do one thing, but don't try to do two new things. Uh, and this approach is really two new things. It's not just a you know an old target, and we've got a new twist on how to approach it. You know, investors can quickly jump on and and, and latch on to that. Nor is it a new approach, but you're you know a new target, but you're 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 kind of using some old uh, technology or old mechanisms or whatnot, it, it's actually two new things, right? It's a new target, LHRH. There's no drugs that, that are on the market that target uh, LHRH. Uh, and it's a lytic peptide. And there are no lytic peptides on the market that, uh, that are used for treating cancer. There's a bunch of treating uh, infectious diseases. So we're trying to do so, two new things at once, which is, which, is a big, which is a big hill to climb. It's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a tall order. Now, I've done this thing before. Uh, my previous drug was two new things at once. So I'm, I'm convinced that it can be done, uh, but it does, it does require um, a visionary sort of approach, um, uh, uh, both on, on the part of the, 
you know, the operators and the developers, as well as the part on uh, the investors who are ultimately going to support it. So right now, our biggest focus is just uh, fundraising and and getting our products back in the clinic and off the ground. And as a startup in San Diego, are you uh, utilizing an incubator system or anything like that? No, we're actually a virtual company. Okay. So we're um, I'm based here in San Diego. Uh, my lead scientist is based in Houston. Uh, and um, my co-founder is is based in uh, Connecticut, just outside of New York. So this world is is sort of what what we live in. We're always doing the time zone math so we can have our meetings. Uh, but it is uh, it, it 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 is efficient in some ways because you're not uh, you're not tied to the brick and mortar, and you can recruit some of the best talent and not have to uh, worry about relocation. Uh, at the same time, though, obviously you've got some you know the challenges of not being in the same space. So there's there's a give and take to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When we're seeing that across the country. So but before we let you go, one final question. Uh, is there a book that you're reading, maybe a podcast that you're listening to, or anything that's really making an impact in your life that you'd like to share? Well, the most recent book I read, um, <laughs> I read Founder's Dilemma. Ah. <laughs> Wish I had read it before I started. The- <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't get that. You didn't oh, get that memo. Yeah, you forgot I that memo. I did not get the memo. It yeah. was, uh, which well, was, a, was a really fascinating book, and it made me feel. If nothing else, it made me feel not alone. Right? <laughs> it's like yeah. all of these decisions that are sort of coming at me, what the implications of those are, and sort of how you go about becoming a founder. Um, and, and putting together the right team and, and making sure that you're, you know, you, you're prioritizing the things that you really want out of, uh, that you really want out of your company. You know, my vision for, for A28, my vision for cancer therapy is really to sort of bring these molecules that I'm so familiar with from infectious disease and, and bring them to the cancer, uh, you know, sort of the cancer community. Uh, I would love to see a world, our vision, our company's vision is to create a world where we don't, or it's treatments. So I love the idea of, just like I did with HIV, I love the idea of being able to give patients medications that don't make them feel worse. Um, and so <clears throat> these molecules that, that we are developing, the lead molecule being the AT101 uh, for treatment of ovarian cancer and, and hepatocellular carcinoma, it represents a platform. We can mix and match this molecule with different targeting units. And that mechanism of action for killing cancer cells is, is transportable, <laughs> uh, so it can be used in lots of different ways with lots of different cancers. And so I'm very excited, um, you know, having having read that book and you know, sort of recognizing some some of what those challenges are that we have that we're facing. Uh, and it also made me feel, you know, not alone, but it also made me feel very hopeful uh, that that we we do have what it takes to to overcome and to get beyond our current challenges, whether they're corporate or whether they're in the healthcare arena. Uh, and, and I'm up for the challenge. Sounds great. Uh, Dr. Lewis, David, great stuff today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here and uh, look forward, of course, to hearing more about A28 Therapeutics. And um, thanks again, guys. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. You have a great day. Mm